All right, everyone. How are you doing? This is Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast International Series. And here with me, I have from Manchester. Oh, am I meant to say my name? <laughs> yes, your name. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good start. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let, yeah. Let, let the people know who you are. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Zoe Wells. I'm, yeah, I play for Manchester Bees as of this season. And you have a new title with British Dodgeball? Yeah. So as of God, the start of January now, um, I write the newsletter for British Dodgeball. Is the newsletter something recently added or is this something you were passionate about and brought to the table? Um, I think they used to have one a few years ago, uh, but it kind of petered out. Uh, there wasn't much interest in, in writing it as far as I could tell. And then... Um, back in December, maybe end of November, Alex Such, who's the media uh, manager for British Dodgeball, reached out to me and was basically like, you know, we've seen what you're doing for House of Dodge because I, I write a lot of articles for um, House of Dodge, which is a company that's Straubs and um, God, Skinner. who's the other guy? Yep, Skinner. Skinner. <laughs> Straubs and Skinner run together. Um, so I've been writing a lot of articles for them. Um, so yeah, Alex Such reached out to me and was like, we've seen what you're doing with House of Dodge. Would you be interested in in writing something for British Dodgeball, um, specifically bringing up this idea of the newsletter and, and bringing that back um, to kind of have a sort of communal point of reference that everyone could look to that's got all the information about what's going on? Because just the community in, in the UK has got so big now that it's completely impossible to follow everything that's happening or it's, it's very tricky to follow it, especially if you're a new player. So I think the idea was to kind of get all of this information in, in one place every two weeks and just send it out to everyone and, and try and get that feeling of community back. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's funny how I kept, I knew, I knew the answer before, before you did. And I live here. What does that say? <laughs> A little uh, playful banter to start off the start off the interview. It's <laughs> gonna be a uh, long interview. Hey, I'm ready for it, man. I got my water here. I got the wine <laughs> bottle on the other side of the laptop. We good. We are ready to go. So, um, let's get some preliminaries out of the way. So, uh, what's your jersey number and why? What's the story behind it? Um, so this one's it's not a very interesting story. Normally, my jersey number is 17, which is just it's my favorite number. I. I, this is a really good summary of me. The reason it's my favorite number is um, a mixture of maths, typography, and just like, I don't know. Yeah, the number, I really like 17 because if you write it in most fonts, it looks really nice because it's always straight lines, right? And you start to get issues when you have curves in my mind. Um, and then anything below like 25, this is such an English thing, anything below like 25 is a good number in my mind because it's a it's a good number if you're playing football. Anything above that, or soccer in, in the US, anything above that is kind of um, a bad number, or not a bad number, but you're no longer part of the first team. You're not even part of the subs anymore. You're like, you know, you're, you're the second team if you're above that. So in my mind, numbers under 20 are ideal. Numbers that are made entirely out of straight lines, ideal. And then prime numbers are really good. So that basically just left 11 and 17. 17's got a bit more variety. Um, mm -hmm. that's as far as I've thought it through. Um, but I'm not 17 anymore, so the story doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, this um, would be weird, me talking to a 17-year-old. 
on the podcast. No, Definitely not no. the message I'm trying to send. So um, my, my jersey number's 16 um, in Manchester Bees because someone else was already 17. And in the Swiss national team as well, I'm 16 as well because someone else had already taken 17. So uh, clearly it's a popular number and I need to need to work on getting it back off people. <laughs> um so you say it's a british thing anything under mm. under 25 is good everything over yeah. is bad. i mean i don't know if everyone would agree with that but that's kind of that's how i see it when i see numbers on people's shirts and i don't know i i, I don't know how american football works but it always seems to be that people have ridiculously large numbers on their backs and it just <laughs> how, how do you have like 90 players in a team why is there someone wearing uh, a number 89 shirt okay or something? all right um i can kind of break that down a little bit before we get into your story so on a um an american football team i know some of you guys call it gridiron most mm-hmm. of you guys know it as nfl uh you have 42 players on a roster now mm-hmm. From your 42 players, that's not even your starters. Your starters are essentially 11 on 11. 11 on offense, 11 on defense, and the remainder on special teams. Now, you can technically have more in your practice squad. That's where the higher numbers come in. That's where your people are coming in, making a grand a week or something, barely enough to survive, kind of. And then, barring any, you know, any injury to the top – top players on the food chain, so to speak, they'll get a chance to come in and, and play a couple games. So that that's yeah. where the high numbers come in. And, yeah. and a lot of times the high numbers come in from the linemen. So linemen typically wear uh, numbers between, oh, God, uh, anywhere between uh, 60 to 79 or 90 to 99. Right. Yeah. So, that, so that's – can you can tell the position of a player based on what their uh, jersey number is. Yeah, yeah. It's a similar thing in, in soccer. But that's that's basically the same thing with us. It's just that it's a, it's a smaller squad size. So when you see someone in in football, in English football, running around wearing a, like, number 37 shirt, that's clearly someone from the academy or something that they've dragged up and that they're fielding just for one match. Um, and, you know, just because they've got five minutes left at the end of the match and they know they're not going to lose type thing. Um, <laughs> so so that's why, in my mind, you you want a number that's under, like, 20, 23 or so is is your core squad. Um, and so somewhere around there is is a good jersey number for me. <laughs> And we're breaking boundaries here, people. You're learning <laughs> things from both sides of the pond. So um, let's get into your dodgeball story. Uh, when did you start and how was your first session like? Yeah, I started back in 2016. So the last year of three ball, which is a, a reference that English people will get and, and Americans won't. But um, yeah, it yep. was it was interesting. It was, um, I think I got hit in the face <laughs> about two, two or three times in my first session. Uh, which was the trend that would continue for the rest of my university career. I, I repeatedly got hit in the face. It's because I dodged <laughs> down. So I, I've always dodged down. And I just get hit really easily in the face as a result. Um, but yeah, so I, I got hit in the face and somehow that didn't discourage me from coming back. Um, I just sort of, I don't know, I walked it off and then was thinking about it a few days later. I was like, actually, I really enjoyed that. And, and everyone was really nice to me. And, um, and I think, it was quite a small club at the time, Warwick. Uh, they'd lost a lot of their their players that year. So if I remember correctly, I think the social sec at the time, Sarah Taylor, reached out to me a few days after to just be like, are you coming back type thing? Um, which which is a, a thing that a lot of the university clubs do where it's sort of, if, you're not, if you don't have very many players 
and any freshers show up, then you you immediately reach out to them after a session to be like, please come back. We need you. <laughs> like not to sound desperate, but please. Um, and it works because because you know you're you're young and you're 18. You just started university. You don't really have any friends, and and here's a whole group of people who desperately want you to be around. I mean, it's perfect. Right. So yeah. So that's kind of how I got started, and then yeah, played it played at Warwick for three years. So you played at Warwick. So I know they have a lineage going up to Spartans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, safe to assume after you played at Warwick, you had a good, a twisted first impression. Someone who gets hit in the face and all you can think about is you want to come back. <laughs> I, th- I think that's probably not that uncommon in dodgeball, though. I think the kinds of people who are attracted to dodgeball uh, are not people who have great self-preservation instincts. Or on the flip side, they have really, really good self-preservation instincts, and that's why they're good at dodging the ball. But you're on one end of those extremes. You can't be in the middle, I don't think. I think you either have to just be willing to take every single injury and have no care for your body, which is me, or you have to be someone who's terrified of the ball and who's amazing at dodging as a result. Yeah, uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head right there. Um, so how long have you? How long were you playing at Warwick? Yeah, so Warwick was three years, um, and in my third year, then I started playing for Spartans because um, a lot of the time the national leagues don't happen on the same weekends as the university leagues, so you can do that in the UK. You can play in a, a university team and in a national and adult team. Um, so I started playing occasionally for Spartans, um, and then I graduated in 2019, played a year for, for Spartans between 2019 and 2020. <laughs> it's not really a year though, because uh, yeah, yeah. Then the, the pandemic <laughs> hit. Um, and and yeah, then the pandemic hit and I, I moved to Manchester to do my master's degree and joined um, Manchester Bees, which is where I've been playing for the, for the last season. So yeah, that's my journey so far. <laughs> so let's kind of let's kind of scale it back a little bit um what was your what was your big what first impression playing with spartans after playing with warwick <laughs> i'm not allowed to swear right <laughs> absolutely terrified um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely terrified um national league is is so much faster than university leagues are i think now the gap's a little bit Actually, I don't know. The gap might be worse now, but um, no, when I when I made the switch, then it was just, I don't know, it, it was terrifying. Suddenly everyone's throwing 10 times faster than uh, than you're used to and, and you can't catch anymore and you're breaking fingers left and right. And it's just, yeah, uh, a lot scarier. Um, but, you know, Spartans, they, they, they kind of eased me in. I don't think that the, the first time that I played for them, I think I spent most of the time in the outbox, which... Um, not sure that i'm not sure that was helpful but um yeah they kind of eased me in gently with spartans and um yeah by the time that i was done with my second year playing spartans then then um i was getting used to national league i guess and and it seems seems weird now to think that i ever found it scary <laughs> so despite how scary they may they may seem and rightfully so they they, they have an environment that's very welcoming oh mm. <laughs> you you can you can leave that in i think they know full well um no so spartans so the spartans club that exists now is not the same spartans club that existed a few years ago i'll I'll preface everything i say with that but um i think i think this the club that they've got now is looks really good and and i've said this to um 
one of my friends, Leah, also played the Spartans around the same time, Leah Credit. Um, and we left around the same time and we both sort of meet up now at leagues and look at the Spartans club and just go, God, I wish I played for that version of Spartans. Um, but when we joined, then it was, it was a lot of international players. I think everyone was an international player. Um, and uh, they all knew each other from university. So I think it was a bit tricky initially getting into the group because they'd all played together at Birmingham Um because the men the men all played together at Warwick. The interesting thing is all the women at the time had played together at Birmingham. So we were different because we were, you know, me and Leah were the Warwick girls coming in. Um, but yeah, all the women had played together at Birmingham and then for Meteors, for the, the short-lived uh, women's squad that Meteors ran, when whichever season that was. Um, and then they'd started the Spartans Club. So they, they all knew each other very well. And I think it was a little bit tricky initially bonding with that group because because you know you're the the new girls and it's you know why why should you talk to all these little young university students when you've been playing the sport for seven eight years um but i think things got easier when other new girls joined so i remember uh, lucy barrington who's a phenomenal player plays for england now but she, she only started playing three years ago four years ago um, and she started playing for Spartans. That was her first ever club. Um, mm. And she, she started playing when I was there. And kind of that was nice, just having a new person in the squad that we could talk to and, and who was kind of on even footing. So I'd say that, that there was definitely, there were people within the club that I think I bonded with over time, uh, especially Lucy and, and Lottie, um, Lottie Millington, um, you know, brilliant players, but uh yeah, I think it was a bit cliquey and I, I, I know that they know that, which is why I'm fine with saying it on air. Like they, <laughs> they know perfectly well that that was an issue and they fixed now. Um, yeah. Kudos to them for the issue. I wish they'd fixed it two years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, not, not to say that I know everyone, but I would say part of that had to be because they knew each other. I mean, when you have such a tight knit group like that, it can come off no, as no. clicky. But yeah. a lot of no, it is just unfamiliar I ground. I don't think there was anything, you know, mean intended in any of it. I don't exactly. think any of them have a have a mean bone in their bodies at all. Um, it's just that thing of, you know, you get used to playing a certain group of people. You barely even notice when there's, you know, these new subs that come in that you, you just don't know and you've never played with before. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I think they fix that problem now. So uh, it is yeah. a problem that some clubs face where they, they're not necessarily as welcoming of an environment, especially at the adult levels where, yeah, you've played together for five, ten years at that point. And it's a and bit hard said, to remember to talk to the new kids. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you played for the, uh, what, you say you played for the Swiss, uh, Swiss national team? Yeah. When was, which... uh, when was your debut with them? Um, my debut and so far only time playing for them because of the virus was um, for the 2019 Euros in Newcastle. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, that was that was fantastic. I mean, say, say what you want about clubs being cliquey and all that and how players who've played together really for ages are going to be cliquey and, and not talk to the newbie. But with, with the Swiss team, it was not at all like that. I, I obviously don't live in Switzerland at the moment. I live in the UK um, and they knew that before they invited me to, to try out for the team. Um, but because of that, then I only actually went to, I think, five training sessions total with the team before Euros. So I'd only met them for a grand total of like 10 hours. I think. Mm. Um, and yet they were all super welcoming and just the funniest people and so nice. And just, <laughs> I still talk to them. I've still got them on WhatsApp and, and Instagram. 
program and uh, and hoping to try out for the team again this year. So yeah, just a, a really welcoming group that that didn't really need to be as welcoming as they were since I don't I don't play at a club level. Uh, so you only played for them one time. Uh, you're hopefully going to try out for them again, and yeah. um, hopefully I'll see you in Euros. Um, I'm planning <laughs> yeah. to go out there uh, around my birthday, so it'll be fun. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. <laughs> so. What caused you to move to Manchester? Um, yeah, that I mean, nothing to do with dodgeball. That was entirely to do with uh, I wanted to do a master's degree. I did my creative writing undergrad at Warwick and then uh, basically was talking to my professors there about the idea of doing a master's. And this at the time was like, oh, you know, in five, ten years time, I'll do a master's degree in creative writing because um, I want to eventually work towards becoming a sort of professor. Um, I was sort of I was talking to them about it, and they're like, "The one piece of advice we can give you is don't stay at Warwick, uh, not because it's a bad university; it's a brilliant university for creative writing. But you shouldn't have the same professors. And if you're doing your bachelor's and, and your master's in the same university, you'll get the same professors teaching you the same stuff. So they're like, go to go to a different university. And Warwick is very rural. That's the one thing that anyone who's been to Warwick will tell you is it's a very rural, rural university. Um, not a lot of nightlife out there, uh, which we get mocked for quite a lot and very rightly for. Um, so I was like, okay, I want to go to a city. I don't want to go to London. It's not really my kind of city. So basically any other city <laughs> in the UK. Um, and, and Manchester's got a really good creative writing program. It's got some, some incredible professors teaching on it. And uh, yeah, sort of moved up for that. And I knew it had a dodgeball team. Why that did actually affect the decision. It came down to three universities. It's Edinburgh, Glasgow, and Manchester. And Edinburgh now has a dodgeball team. It's not very good. Uh, Glasgow does not have a dodgeball team. And Manchester is a very good dodgeball team. <laughs> it, it, it kind of, it went that way partly because of dodgeball. Not entirely, but partly. But partly. I mean, you're talking about joining the Manchester Bees, who... Mm. They yeah. always somehow field eight or ten teams for every tournament. It seems like it's it, it's maddening. It's like, a big club. You think? <laughs> like I would imagine being a rostered player on that team and forgetting if I'm on the A team or B team simply because how many jerseys I see. Well, everyone's on the B team. I think. Oh but, God, yeah. that was so cheesy. <laughs> Christ. Wow. Oh. You know what? I don't care what you say. I'm not cutting that. We're, we're keeping that. That is cheesy. As... <laughs> That's the Manchester Bees social stuff is. It's always bee puns everywhere. It's infuriating. They love their bee puns. Black clubs. Really? Yeah, they're obsessed All with right. them. You, you kind of opened up, those, opened up those, the rabbit uh, hole. What is it like? It, paint a picture in our heads. What's a, a social for Manchester Bees is like? Oh God! I mean, I haven't actually been to any socials yet because it's been the virus, the pandemic. But um, oh, based on what you heard, I should just, say, just the sort of group chats and stuff. It's constant bee puns. I I didn't realize how many words that could have the word bee inserted into them until I joined Manchester Bees. Um, it's it's insane. There was a, an article written recently by one of the guys on the third team um, that was a an article about going from being complete completely new at dodgeball to to playing at national league and he put this out on the the website and i put it in the news the newsletter as well so so you can read it in that but it's uh the title for it was something like 
uh, going from beginner to team or whatever it is. And, and I looked at that and then immediately for the newsletter, I changed it and it's become going from a newbie to being, you know, playing at National League. But there's so many, they're all full of that. And if you read the article, there's all these random B puns thrown in for no reason. <laughs> Oh. Nothing they're, but they're bad jokes in that end, huh? They're all such nerds. <laughs> it's such a nerdy group of people. <laughs> yeah, actually, to be fair, when I say I haven't been to any B socials, I haven't been to any like official club socials, but I've been invited around, obviously, to like you know things run by some of the coaches and, and stuff like that. And it's mainly board game nights. It's a lot of board game nights. Yeah, so I'll roll with that. <laughs> that tells you the kind of vibe of the club. <laughs> I'll roll with that all day and twice on Sunday. Um, yeah. All right, so let me kind of – I'm going to put you on the spot right now to make this fun. Mm-hmm. Who's the cheesiest player with the puns? Oh, Bevers. Yeah, Benbridge. Bevers? Um, yeah. Have you interviewed him? What's his name? Alex Benbridge. He plays for GB. Benbridge. Yeah. Uh, he's on my list to get down yeah. the road. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. He, he's he's, he's cheesiest? so cheesy. He's so <laughs> cheesy. <laughs> He's such a dad. I mean, he's like, he's 29, but he's such a dad. I got, he's, he's a good dad in the best way. Like, he's all the dad jokes and he's, he's an absolute nerd. But then also, like, when I first moved, I got the virus uh, within, like, three weeks of moving, uh, as you do. Um, and so I obviously wasn't part of the club yet, really. I just joined. And he went out of his to make sure I was moving in fine and when he found out that I was ill then he like came around with Tupperwares of, of chili and like um, I think uh, what was it uh, smoothie he brought me smoothies to make sure that my uh, I wasn't going to die of starvation because I was stuck in the house <laughs> for 10 days and it was just it was so nice and so sweet and just like such a dad thing to do and he's like yeah no I was I was in the area walking my dog so I thought I'd bring you some left early from last night i was like god what a dad yeah lovely guy lovely lovely guy but a cheesy guy Mm. very cheesy (laughs) (laughs) oh man i'm I'm gonna just say this right now i i I do plan to reach out to him for an interview and if he says no i'm gonna blame it because of what you said (laughs) and i didn't cut it just letting him know right now (laughs) that's fair that's fair. If I don't get an interview with him, it's because of you. Um, yeah. I, I do have a, you're very welcome to cut this, but I have a, a story like Spenbridge that he's heard before and he honestly doesn't remember this happening. Um, there, okay. was a, there was a night out in, God, Sheffield, I think it was, after one of the Opens. And this was when I was still playing for Warwick, I think. I wasn't even playing for... Um, and we, we went out on this night out. There's a big bar crawl and, and the Warwick gang joined right at the end of the bar crawl. So we walk into the bar. Everyone's already completely trashed. Um, and we go up to the bar and we're ordering off a drink and stuff. And out of nowhere, I feel myself being lifted up into the air and put into a fireman's lift with no warning, right? <laughs> and I'm just very confused because I'm drunk, obviously, because I've, I've been pre-drinking. I'm like, this isn't, what's what's happening? Am I going to die vaguely in the back of my mind? And I get put down. I look up and it's Alex. I know because he's Alex Benbridge and he plays for England and he plays for GB and he's you know big name in, in dodgeball. Um, as far as I know, he has no idea who the hell I am because I'm a university level player. And and he looks at me and I'm looking at him like, why why did you do that? And he just doesn't explain it. And so I have to fi- like literally just ask him, why did you do that and he's like oh right 
so so badly he's adam badly i think it, i'm pretty sure it was him um had asked, wasn't asking him he'd he's mocking him um and saying that he no longer knew how to pick up women because uh Bev, bevers has been with his girlfriend hannah for you know decades not literally but like you know forever um so it's <laughs> mocking him saying that he doesn't know how to pick up women and his response being a dad was to turn around find the nearest woman in the room and physically pick her up and clearly in his drunk mind he must have recognized me from somewhere and he must have recognized me as a dodgeball person because that would have been a weird thing to do otherwise but <sighs> kind of a response is that and it was like the first time that i was meeting him and i was like i'm zoe and he was like yeah yeah cool and that was it and uh, i brought this up with him when i joined bees he was like i have no idea that's i don't even remember ever meeting you like you just always seem to be you seem to just be a person who always existed i don't remember meeting you wow <laughs> yeah so very <sighs> weird experience i i can't really explain how strange it is to be like this little you know player who's only in a couple of years and being picked up by national team players who apparently I mean, know who you are. I mean, being picked up and then being physically picked up. Yeah, that's two different things. Physically picked up. I wasn't being like, you know, picked up, picked up. That would have been weird. <laughs> well, was- technically, technically, he didn't pick you up. Yeah, he, I, I mean, he did, but he didn't. He picked that's- me up over his shoulder. <laughs> Do you, yeah, do you get what I'm saying? Like he didn't pick you up. Yeah, but he, he didn't pick me up. up, but he picks me up. There we go. Yeah, All right. Exactly. <laughs> but that's that's just to explain how his brain works. Like when you're talking about people whose brains are, are cheesy and and make stupid jokes and puns, that's where his brains are. Hmm. So, have you have you trained with the uh, bees as of yet? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been training with them since September. We've had trainings uh, pretty much. I don't know if it's like in the US now, but in the UK, then trainings are running um, pretty smoothly, pretty easily. I think a few teams had to cancel trainings around Christmas time just because there was a another wave. But other than that, trainings are back. So, yeah, been training with these since since September. And um, I mean, obviously, you haven't been to a social yet, but what would you say the training environment is like with them? I think they're lovely. I think they're, they're some of the nicest people um, in dodgeball. I already knew a couple of them before moving. Um, though, to be fair, the two people I knew really, not really well, but the two people I knew decently well in the club, Tamara Hoffer and um, uh, Katie Howard, have both now left the club. <laughs> so my two reference points when I joined have now left. Um, but, oh, Katie left? Yeah. yeah, Katie's gone. She's moved down to London. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's funny you mentioned both of them. I interviewed both of them last yeah, year. I'm, <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear you interviewed those two. Yeah. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? No, that I was in like the. <laughs> I mean, Tamara is a big name in Dodgeball, I would say. She's the kind of person that everyone knows. And then Katie, I, I don't know. I'd say I'm more surprised to hear that you interviewed Katie, but she does also just like to talk. Um, so <laughs> fair enough that you interviewed <laughs> Wales. Yeah, she she was definitely solid. Um, I didn't know she moved. That's something yeah. she didn't tell me, but it must have been recent. Yeah, yeah, it was literally like two, three weeks ago. Oh, okay, cool. Um, she's still a part of the team. She she's gone to London, and I don't know if she's going to play for Storm. I think she's not going to play for Storm. I think that was what she said. Um, or she mm. might just play in like regional leagues instead of national leagues, so city-based leagues instead. 
Fair enough. Okay, so getting back to your story as we're (laughs) (laughs) talking about how cheesy... So many tangents. I mean, I'm all about it. Um, So, obviously, you reignited the British Dodgeball newsletter. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, What inspired your love for creative writing, and what inspired you to go that route when you were approached to? Wow. Big questions. (laughs) pretty much yeah um I've always loved writing like I said I did it at at university and um I always loved it as a kid I think if you'd asked me when I was five or six years old what I wanted to be I would have said inventor first and writer second um and so for a while then I was pursuing engineering because that's what adults call inventing um Mm -hmm. so I, I was kind of gearing myself up to be an engineer I was one of those uh nerdy kids who did maths olympiads and stuff um in school and then around the age of 15 I had a midlife crisis which does not bode well for my life expectancy um (laughs) (laughs) but I was I was literally sat in the middle of math class I'd already finished all the assignments for the day so I was just kind of waiting staring into space I was like deciding what my life was going to be I was like okay yeah so I'll I'll go do my my degree in in engineering and I'll do like lab tech stuff for however long or whatever and and then age 35 I'll I'll have a mental breakdown and I'll I'll publish my first book (laughs) (laughs) and I was just sort of sat there age 15 in the classroom I was like wait why do I have a mental breakdown planned into my life plan that's not healthy um Uh So, so I sort of went to the university counsellors that we had in school and, and was like, I, I might want to change or I might want to do writing at university instead. Um, so I did that uh, and I've been doing that for, for years now. So, um, yeah, so I started doing sort of freelance writing alongside the university, which was a lot more sort of creative, short stories, that stuff. Um, but the freelance stuff was quite boring, quite dry, um, writing these articles and blogs and stuff. Um, and that's how... Straub's family for House of Dodge was that we were, <laughs> I say family, we were, we were on, on our way to a league meet once. Uh, and it was him and Karen uh, who were like driving. Um, and, and he was just sort of like asking about my life. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I freelance, right. And then three, four months later, he was like, so you need freelance, right? Would you be interested in, in freelance writing about dodgeball? So yeah, it wasn't ever something that I suggested. It wasn't something I came up with because I didn't even think that it was something that you could you could do and that you could get paid for. Um, but yeah, just sort of started writing these things for House of Dodge. And, and like I said, that's how, and I just, I love it. I love getting to write about, I, I just know all this stuff about Dodgeball anyway. So why not write about it and why not put it all down on paper? Yeah, uh, perfectly said. Um I wanted to ask you something, and before we continue going further, before I ask you some of the other preliminaries, you reached out to me after an interview with Alex Nelson. Yeah. Um, what was it about that interview that that caught your eye? I mean, it was and great. Why did interview. you feel the need to reach? What, what happened? It was a great interview. Um, I actually wasn't sure if I was if I could put it in the newsletter because I think you talk about alcohol within the first like 10, 15 minutes, and We've got something like 5,000 people on our mailing list, of which I don't know how thousands are school people or parents or kids. So I was like, oh, God, what if I what if I link this and a kid sat there listening about Alex Nelson's wild nights out? Um, <laughs> but, um, it's a, it was a really good podcast episode. And obviously, Alex just stopped being a uh, head referee. So it sort of felt like 
it was something that I could link in, but that it felt quote unquote allowed within like the newsletter. Cause I, I don't know if you've looked at the old newsletter, you must've, but the, the one that came out today as well, I'm kind of doing this thing where at the bottom I put these links. So that's what I did with your podcast and, and I've done it again this week. Um, where I just sort of linking. Yeah. So at the bottom of the newsletter, then there's all these links. Um, I try and do about three or more each week uh, that are just sort of links to things within the wider dodgeball community. And the idea behind that was that, you know, these aren't things that, that British dodgeball can necessarily write pages and pages about, like there's not enough time to write about each of those links, but they're something that we want people to go and look at and, and that are kind of, you know, sort of shouting out the interesting things that people are doing within within the dodgeball community because it's there's so much going on i mean you you do this podcast obviously but there's there's however many different people running podcasts all across the world like not just the uk obviously you're you're american yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> you know there's there's all these different things and they they all relate back to dodgeball and they're all things that people within the dodgeball community might find interesting so i think yeah the idea with with linking in the alex nelson one was just the yeah, this is someone that we in British Dodgeball know, Alex Nelson, and this is a way of introducing people who are within the British Dodgeball community to a podcast that they might actually find interesting and, and that might, you know, further increase their interest in Dodgeball. And and the idea as well behind that, I was talking to, like I said, Alex Such was the, the guy who really set this up. Um, I was talking to him about it and we were saying that you know, the, the more you let people know about content that's out there and the, the more content people consume and, and within within dodgeball, whether it's audio or video or text like I do, the more people realize, oh, I could maybe do this. You know, I've got an interest in, in this thing or that and I could do something dodgeball related within the thing that I'm interested in. And so you get more and more people creating things and it just creates this really vibrant community is the idea. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely a solid uh, idea. I didn't realize that that newsletter would go to, to like schools and, and stuff like that. So thinking back, I'm like, did I touch on like, I try to keep the podcast like PG. Yeah, no, it's so PG-13. Um, I, I wouldn't have sent it out. I would have sent it out to all those people if it had been like really bad or anything. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was fine. It was fine. I mean, <laughs> considering how much censoring I do, Regard, you know, prior to releasing, I would like to think I'm doing a good job. Um, but thank you, and um, to all the schools that listen to it, thank you. Uh, Alex was a solid guest, as is Zoe here. Um, so, <laughs> right. So, uh, I wanted to ask you: um, Did you have a sports background uh, growing up, um, or were you just always like a nerdy kid writing all the time? I was going to say, based on what I've told you so far, what do you think the answer is? I've already <laughs> I wanted to be I've, formal and maybe you hit me with a curveball. I've already admitted to doing maths Olympiads. I don't think there's any way of getting out of this. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't very sporty growing up. I have pretty bad eyesight. I'll admit that actually genuinely impacted how much I did sports. Uh, my, my eyesight, I'm, I'm legally blind without glasses, that kind of level of bad eyesight. Mm. So obviously after a certain point then any impact sport started to be too dangerous to play with classes um just sort of you know not just as far as like physically dangerous for me but more importantly if my glasses get broken that's you know 400 francs which is i don't know 400 dollars worth of of damage that's just been done so um so i kind of didn't play a lot of sports growing up uh but then got into football when i got contact lenses 
um, and played as a goalkeeper in soccer. Sorry. Um, That's fine. So. We all know. What it is. I've <laughs> yeah, done enough so. of these. People know it at this point. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I played as a goalkeeper um, for, for a football team back home in, in Switzerland, just sort of like school level. Um, and then I broke my arm when I was 16. So I had a very short career of sport before university because um, I broke my arm and that kind of... I did it while snowboarding. So I guess that counts. I, I ski and snowboard because I'm, I'm Swiss. So of course I ski and yeah, snowboard. That's pretty much genetic for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We've pretty much come out of the womb with skis on. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I ski and snowboard, but I, I broke my arm, my left arm very badly while snowboarding when I was 15, 16. Um, and that kind of just traumatized me physically and mentally um so I didn't mm. really want to do any sports uh and took a break for another two years and then when I got to university then then I was like okay I'm, I'm ready to try again but nothing too intense so went to dodgeball got hit in the face and was like yeah that'll work <laughs> this yeah, is the good. logic behind that nothing too intense you know you could have tried um bocce ball you could have tried I don't know um what's that what's that sport kind of like baseball that takes days to complete oh cricket cricket you could have tried that you could have tried yeah. rounders maybe no you went straight to the most collision impacted <laughs> sport and got a bunch of headshots probably more headshots than any nfl player probably has <laughs> and decided you know what this is for me yeah <laughs> that's that's pretty much exactly what happened yeah. <laughs> i love you zoe that was <laughs> the logic the logic the lineage of logic just goes uh. nowhere and everywhere at the same time <laughs> all right so um did you have any role models growing up and do you have any role models in uh, dodgeball um i i don't really have many sports role models i i watch a lot of it doesn't have to be sports it could be literally a teacher or yeah for for the growing up it could be yeah i mean to be fair i was going to say though i did have one sort of role model that i really liked in in women's football who was a a, the canadian goalkeeper erin mcleod um who was placed for the women's side i think she still does um but i i just adored her i thought she was a fantastic player um and in hindsight, I understand fully why, because if you look her up as a goalkeeper, I think the the way that her goalkeeping style in, in football is described as, as a chaotic and dangerous. <laughs> um, she, she just sort of runs at things very, very quickly and, and has no self-preservation, which is really good in some ways for football and also isn't in other ways. So it's, you know, it's a style. Um, yeah. But I just thought she was the coolest person ever. Um, and I think getting into women's football and, and sort of getting into watching women's football around the time of 2015 or so. Um, Cause there was a world cup around then. Uh, yeah. It was just sort of the first time that I'd ever seen female athletes kind of in the, the spotlight. And that was really informed. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Not informative, formative, just formative for me. <laughs> just seeing like all these incredibly strong women who weren't in any way ashamed of it. Um, and it was just, not that there there should be anything obviously there shouldn't be anything to be ashamed of but i just have this very clear memory of being about 12 years old and going around there's an olympic museum in lausanne which is just up the road from geneva and we went there on a school trip and i remember 
they've got this wall there of all these athletes. And the idea is to show different body types of all these different athletes. So they had this big wall, this big mural of all these female athletes sitting next to each other from tons of different sports because it's the Olympics. So they've all got different body types. I remember my teacher, my form teacher standing beside me as we were looking at these and going, God, they have to give up so much, don't they? They have to give up their lives, <laughs> their beauty, and their like chance at motherhood or something like that. And I was just there like, what? <laughs> But it, it, it was so it was so backward. Switzerland can be quite backward in that way. But it was very much she just had this idea that, like, if you look like that, you are a ugly and b impossible to love, um, which is just absolutely I'm not going to swear, but it's messed oh, up. No, go for it. I'll cut it. It's fine. Go <laughs> it's for it. Sucked. There we go. Um, and that, that you could say <laughs> that in front of, you know, an 11 year old. And this is a teacher saying this in front of, you know, 20 11 year olds. It's not just me on this school trip. It's an entire class. Um, but I think that really screwed me up for a while where I kind of just thought that if you did sport as a woman, then you were giving up something because you were giving up your chance to look beautiful by being skinny and by having tiny little thighs. Um, and then I started watching women's football and I was, you know, watching these goalkeepers like Erin McLeod, who are huge women, like they're tall, tall women with the biggest thighs you've ever seen. Cause you have to have them as a goalkeeper in football. You have to be able to jump really far. So they just have these massive thighs and these massive arms and they're muscular, muscular women. There's nothing dainty about them at all. And yet they are incredible and they're beloved and, and, you know, and loved as well. You know, they're all partnered up or whatever, cause they're, you know, fancy elite sports people. So of course they are, of course people love them. But that yeah. was just really, yeah, that was something for me getting into women's football, watching it was just really, yeah, a good reversal of that, that in my mind and just sort of realizing, okay, I can actually do sport and still, yeah. yeah. And then as far as Dodge- dodgeball, yeah, dodgeball, dodgeball role models, <laughs> I should let you ask it. <laughs> as far as dodgeball role models? Um, yeah, I mean, I... I looked up to everyone that, that I played with at Warwick in my first year. So we had uh, a sort of a lot of the Storm players now. Um, but I guess I didn't actually play with people like Harry Bignall, um, who I didn't actually play with at Warwick, but she plays now for, for Storm and she, she would have been the captain the year before I was there, which is such presences. Uh, they were you know, always being talked about uh, when I was at university. So I think you kind of, if you go to a university like Warwick or, or Birmingham or, uh, Nottingham or I guess Winchester and Sheffield as well like these these universities that have long lines of dodgeballers coming from them then if you join as a fresher then you know about that and so you're you know you have them pointed out to you and it's like oh that person over there who plays for England they're you know they used to be in your shoes they used to be a, uh, a fresher like you for the same team so you kind of have that in your mind and and that's quite nice because it's it's sort of it means that you can see that it's possible to achieve that and it's possible to get to the national team level, but also because they're your alumni and they come back for events and they're, they're humanized through that, which sounds mm. really terrible to say that they were ever <laughs> not human, but you know, you actually get to yeah. talk to them and, you know, have a couple of drinks with them and, and just sort of actually get to know them as a, as a friend instead of just as a, a hero. And so I think that's, yeah, sort of everyone who was uh, a Warwick alumni when I was in, in my first year, uh, Meg White as well, um, just sort of these players who who I knew about at the time and, and who I really looked up to as a result. Um, so definitely heroes of mine early on, at least. Nice. And I wanted to ask you this uh, new question. I might play with the formula of it uh, down the road or I might stick with what we have. Um, 
So is there any player or teams that you would consider your rival that whenever <laughs> you look them up on your calendar or on the play sheet or whatever yeah. that you know you have to be on your A game for? I have mentioned her already in this podcast, but Lucy Barrington, um, absolutely love playing against her because it's so much fun to just get her out. Uh, <laughs> she's <laughs> She's been the uh, interim captain for Spartans this year because uh, Karen's been off uh, having a baby, as as people do uh, with yeah. Storbs. So congrats congrats to, to Storbs and Karen on, on their little baby. But uh, obviously that means that she can't be captain so um so lucy barrington stepped in and uh she's she's a phenomenal player and just the funniest person but also i can catch her really well like she's she's got a cannon of a throw but for some reason i can catch lucy barrington really well and no one else on the spartans team um and we discovered we discovered this in like england trials once because we were both trialing at the same time. This is the last time I ever trialed for England. Um, but it, you know, we were trialing at the same time on opposite sides of the court, playing, you know, sort of warm-up matches. And just, she was getting so many people out, and then she would throw at me, and I'd catch her. And then the stupidest thing would get me out afterwards. But we did that over and over again, like me repeatedly catching her out, and then doing nothing else good the entire day, <laughs> just getting her out. I think we counted. I, I caught her like nine times across the day. And, and I don't think I caught many other people. <laughs> like, it was just Lucy nine times and then maybe two or three other catches total in the entire day. Um, but she sent me a text message because uh, we played we played Spartans last weekend. Um, so on the, on the 16th, uh, Bees and, and Spartans played against each other. Spartans won. Uh, very sad for us. But uh, we, we played against them. She sent me a text message a couple of days before and just being like, I've I've decided I'm not gonna throw at you the entire match. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not I'm not throwing any singles at you. Anytime that we're throwing at you it'll be it'll be three ball throws only. And to be three fair three ball her, throws. She, yeah yeah so she, <laughs> I I got targeted with these like multi-ball throws over and over again in that match. And then one time she broke it. She accidentally forgot what she was doing and she threw a single at me. And like, I could see it in her eyes. She was terrified because <laughs> it was coming towards my gut and I could definitely catch it. And I don't know what it was. My brain just like blipped out and I dropped it, but you can see it in the footage. It's something that I should have absolutely been able to catch. It was fully in my gut. My hands were in the right place. I just dropped it. Um, but it was the one time that she did it. I'm so annoyed that I didn't manage to catch it. <laughs> oh, there's, there's going to be another a rematch between Spartans and, and Bees at some point. So I'll catch her in that one. Oh, for sure. Oh, wow. Okay. You're just gonna get, you're just going to put that on air right now? You're going to catch her again? Oh, yeah. Definitely. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, do you have the footage? Of the Spartans Manchester one? Of the, of the blunder, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll send it to you afterwards. It's, All right, yeah, cool. And what was your name? You said her name was Lucy Barrington? Lucy Barrington. She's Lucy Quidditch on uh, Facebook because she, she plays okay. a lot of Quidditch as well. Okay. Yeah. That sounds very British. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was fine. Um, so yeah, if I don't get an interview with her because you mentioned the, the nine catches, I'm blaming you, which will be the theme of this episode. If I don't get any future interviews, it's your fault. Um, <laughs> so just her? She's yeah. like the one woman that, okay. I, I I would say like my if I had to have an arch nemesis, I've got a couple other people that I jokingly say I'm enemies with because they bully me um, on court. Oh. But that's that's like 
I don't know how British this is. I don't know if it's the same in America, but when you're friends with people, then you you bully them. And I think you should Oh, no, it's the same thing here. Yeah, it's the same thing, right? If someone's really polite to you, then clearly they hate you. And if someone's really mean to you, you're best friends. Um, (laughs) So... So I would say there are there are a couple of players that I would label as like my enemies, but because we're actually friends. So yeah, fair um, enough. Like, like Clear Friday, who I've mentioned before, just my best friend from Spartans. Uh, every time <laughs> we play against each other, I I want to hit her. I I <laughs> love playing against her, and I love getting her out. Ah, uh, okay. Um, do you have any uh, pregame rituals for a tournament? Um, not or league. I, I do have superstitions. I was talking to someone about this recently, actually, because I think a lot of sports people are superstitious, and I, I, I like to think that it doesn't count as a superstition because I know it's a superstition. So it, it's not like like if I don't actually believe in it, then it's not a superstition. But I do secretly, very quietly believe in it. Like those people who so are like, counts. oh, I don't exactly like like I would say, oh, I don't believe in ghosts, but I also do think that I've lived in a haunted house at some point. Like it's that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I have a, a superstition around, I have a couple. One of them's I always need to play with a, a hairband around my right arm. I don't know why. I just, I just need one resting there. I think the idea is that like, if my hair comes down, I can get it back up quickly. But I don't know, it just, if I don't play with it, then I, I feel weak for some reason. <laughs> um, but then the other one is, you know how a lot of players wear um, sort of compression sleeves? Those, those removable ones that, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I wear one of those on my right arm. I don't actually think that they do anything from a medical standpoint. I, I'm sure that people will disagree with me on that. But as far as I can tell, looking at studies, they don't do anything other than psychological. Um, mm-hmm. But whenever I'm having a bad match, then I, if I need a reboot mentally, then I'll take it off. Um, because then I'm like, okay, I've changed. Like something about my setup has now changed. Therefore, I'm a different player. So I can go into this fresh um, so occasionally in a match, you'll see me taking off my sleeve just midway through a match, which if you believe sleeves work makes no sense because why would you ever take off a medical thing halfway through a match? Um, but it's, mm. it's purely a psychological thing. Okay. Um, I have a couple things to ask on that one. You say you wear a headband on your right arm. Is it, ha- does it have to be on your right arm? Yeah, yeah. I'm sometimes okay. sometimes I notice that I've accidentally put it on my left arm, but it generally does be it's normally on my right arm because I'm right-handed. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, and yeah, that, that's pretty much it because that's really the only. Thing. I'm like, why would you wear a headband on <laughs> one particular arm? Yeah, I mean, I get it when you want to, you know, wrap your hair up or whatever, but why that arm yeah. particularly? I mean, it's 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 really stupid. Like, it's not actually. <laughs> I, I know full well when I'm saying this, that these are superstitious, idiotic things to be doing. They don't actually change anything, but they change a mental thing, which does actually change something. So while they don't have a physical effect, they have a mental effect, which then has a knock-on physical effect. But yeah, I honestly can't explain the hairband thing. It just it started at some point, and I can't do it. Okay, as long as you said it first. I didn't say it was stupid. Um, I want the it's, record it's to so say It's so stupid. There we go. So, she so doubled stupid. down on it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want people to saying that I'm demeaning the guest on. It's not happening. I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm just sarcastic. It is what it is. Um, and do you have a pregame uh, playlist? Any music you listen to that gets you going before a game? Uh, no, not really. Um, though 
there was <laughs> there was a meet recently where it was a morning meet and we had to drive across so leaving at like seven in the morning or six thirty something like that um and an hour into this hour and a half long drive Vic Hind who's one of the girls at V's who's driving decides to put on her hype playlist and I don't know if you're familiar with um the song Venga Bus by Venga Boys <laughs> but uh, no but you have to <laughs> send it, it to me <laughs> look it up after this um every English yeah, person will know I- what I'm talking about it's it's horrible it's not a song you want to be listening to at seven in the morning and it's definitely not a song you want to be listening to twice in a row at seven o'clock in the morning um Um, such and so like now now that i always have that song running through my head when we're in the car drive to league i also get it sometimes when i'm on court i'll just start like muttering the vengabus song and there's like there's another girl who's also there in that same car ride called Becky, who who also does the same thing. So you'll see us lining up and we'll just be like dancing to Vengabus, <laughs> losing our minds. Um, and I get it now as well in the middle of the night. I get really bad insomnia and I'll just be, I'll be lying in bed, pitch black room, staring up at the ceiling, muttering along to Vengabus. It's horrible. Vengabus? Vengabus. It's a, I think they're Dutch. Vengaboy is the band. Um, Venga, V-E-N-G-A-B-U-S is the song and then the band is B-E-N-G-A okay cool it's the accent that's throwing me off sometimes yeah Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Um, thinking like okay I may have to look that up you may have to send it to me because I spell it wrong um they're they're Dutch and it's just it's one of those like European um party songs that was big in I don't know, 2006, 2007, kind of like the the Numa Numie song. Um, and it's just, it's just really annoyingly catchy and it just gets stuck in your head. <laughs> so on your way to uh, St. George's Park, you hear that annoying, catchy song that's at seven in the morning. <laughs> at seven in the morning. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, I'm sorry, but if you're annoying me with a song at seven in the morning. <laughs> It better be something I like or you're going to be tossed out the car. Wherever we are is wherever you land, as far as I'm concerned. Um, this, this is the thing, because Vic was the one driving the car. No one else could like argue with it because it's her car. It's her music. But you're just sat there listening to this hype music at seven in the morning. Like, kill me now. Someone please crash the car. Yeah. Oh, That's not like some Guantanamo Bay treatment. Like You want to confess really to the crime is. you didn't do. Sorry, Vic. I just had to call you out on that. Um, I, I'm sure I'm going to get cussed out when this airs. Um, it wouldn't be the first time. So we're going to go into the crowdsource questions. And cool. we already mentioned her, but Tamara, yeah. she asked a bunch of them. First one being, how would you compare the Swiss style of play to the English style? Yeah, really, really good question, um, which, of course, she knows, otherwise she wouldn't have asked it. Uh, very, very mm. different teams. Um, I, yeah, the big difference between the two teams isn't even a national team thing. It's it's the context of the teams, which is that you know the English national team comes from a background of British dodgeball, where there's over a hundred clubs. Um, in Switzerland, we have three, um, <laughs> so it's not it's not very many clubs. Three clubs total, um, and they're all kind of in the same hour radius of each other. Uh, mm. It's it's improved. I think four years ago there was only one club, so. Uh, it's gradually improving but yeah basically because of that 
I would say that the big difference is just as far as player intelligence, the English national team know how to keep moving. So, you know, if you have the initial play, if you, you, know, you go up and you throw three of your balls, for example, and then the other team responds with throwing two balls back at you, in the Swiss national team's minds, that's the end of the play. In the English national team's minds, that is nowhere near the end of the play. There might be another, you know, another counter after that or another quick thing that you can do. And so you can kind of chain up multiple things over and over again in the English national team, which the Swiss team just doesn't really have the capacity to do yet because they haven't trained enough. Or they not that they haven't trained enough, but they just don't have that experience. They, they don't have enough clubs to be able to develop that kind of tactical level. Um, but that being said, and I'm really sorry to all the English national team players that I know of saying this, the Swiss national team is physically um, miles ahead, I would say. Uh, they're, they're all incredibly in shape. Uh, the first training that I went to for the warm-up, and we did our, like, you know, moving your arms around and all that stuff, and then they were like, right, you know, do your 30 push-ups. <laughs> so they're like, wait, what? <laughs> I just feel like... <laughs> you said 30 right like making sure that i'd heard it correctly and they're like yeah yeah you do you do 10 normal push-ups and you do 10 wide arm push-ups and then 10 diamond push-ups i don't know what they're called in english but you know basically just move your arms around to, to different positions to stretch different bits i was like as a as a i don't know training thing they're like no it's the warm-up we're doing more later <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's awful they do that every single warm-up they do 30 push and then you go into your two-hour training or three-hour training. Um, and I don't know what the English national team's like, but it's just, it's a lot of push-ups in the, the Swiss national team. And some mm. of those nutters running uh, alpine marathons, which is like, you know, 42 kilometers being run at um, at like 2,000 meter altitudes, which don't ask me to, to translate that into American or English terms, because I, <laughs> I don't know, but... <laughs> basically very very high altitude very long distances um and some of them do like super marathons at altitude and like how the hell are you doing that there's no oxygen up there um but they're they're just those kinds of people and that's that kind of environment back in switzerland that's i think a lot of people are very in shape in switzerland in a way that i haven't seen as much in in the uk so yeah i'd say the swiss national team's physically in better shape and tries to use that to their advantage in plays, but just basically doesn't have the knowledge to be able to, to follow through and, and hasn't practiced enough. Um, but give them give them another five years or so, and, and I reckon they'll be up there. Oh, for sure. Uh, especially if that's how you're warming up. Um, <laughs> it's insane, right? Like 30 push-ups is not a normal warm-up. I'm correct in that. That's not normal. <laughs> I mean, it's not normal, but it's something I do every day before I do resistance or anything. Yeah, but this is this is their like their team warm up. This isn't including their like gym stuff every day and all that, that that they all do. I don't know how many of them are personal trainers and stuff as well. I follow a lot of them on Instagram, and it's it's one of the most disheartening things you can do. There's so many fitness posts constantly, <laughs> and I just feel I feel so out of shape just watching them running across these mountains <sighs> like it's like it's nothing. And you're like, God's sake, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tamara, I think we kind of touched on it before. Uh, maybe you can elaborate. How did you get into dodgeball? Yeah, just just through needing something to do at university and wanting to get back into sport. And for some reason, getting hit in the face is something that I didn't find off-putting. 
which I'm sure there's something psychological you can analyze there. But um, yeah, it's a, it just it was a really welcoming environment. I stuck with it. <laughs> and um, this one you're going to have to explain. I have, I, I'm going to ask you something because there's a theory <laughs> that I have with this one. What's your recipe for a good dodgeball meme? <laughs> what's, what's your question then, Sergio? No, 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 no. I want you to answer this and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask my follow-up. Right. I mean, I'll answer the actual question, but there is, there's backstory to it as well. Um, oh, yeah, go for it. My recipe for, for a good dodgeball meme is um, I, I really like really stupid out-of-context images. 90% um, of my memes don't make any sense because they're just the weirdest out-of-context images I found on my phone. Um, but I think honestly think that a good, a good dodgeball meme is something that's, um, if you're going to be mean about someone, which some memes have to be, but not all, uh, then, then it should be being mean to either someone you know or someone who can take the punch, like punching up instead of punching down. I think there's yeah. some some good Terry Pratchett quote there about how uh, if if it's punching, if you're punching down, that's not that's not satire, that's bullying. Um, so always make sure if you're making a meme about someone, I think that it's fair game to make a meme about, say, London Storm, because they're a massive club and they win everything. So of course we can mark them. But if I were <laughs> to make a if I'm to make a meme about um, Virtue Empire, which you probably don't know who they are, but they're they're one of these Virtue you know, Empire? Yeah, they, they have a team with a bunch of kids on it. Yeah, it's a team with yeah. a bunch of kids on it. And you sometimes see, uh, like, Bant Dodge, who make a lot of obviously, um, you sometimes see them making memes about Virtue Empire. I'm just like, it's a bunch of kids. Like, be careful, because kids aren't going to take it as well, and you're definitely not punching up. If, if you're mocking kids, you're not punching up. Yeah. Um, so that would be my thing, is that, it's perfectly fine to make fun of people as long as you know who you're making fun of. They know who it is as well. Like, don't don't do it anonymously. I think that's a bit of a uh, just not a good move. If if you don't feel like you can put your face to something, then um, then you probably shouldn't be saying it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I actually agree with that rule of engagement. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I missed this when I posted, but apparently you posted a meme. <laughs> And I'm going to explain it for the people at home. I can repost it when this when this episode airs, when you hear it, I guess. You're loading a chamber. The gun, or the gun says your phone. The clip, weird pictures with no context. And you're aiming it at group chats, which is a target sheet. Mm-hmm. Weird yeah, phone. Memes, okay. memes yeah. are so funny when you visually describe them out loud. Oh, no, this isn't just going to be described. I'm going to repost this. Yeah. in the comment thread when this airs you think i'm playing um i can't like- believe i can't believe i missed this i love you that much more for this um tamara oh wait, no 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 you kind of answered my follow-up question that i had a theory on who the people who run bat dodgeball are yeah and who do you think you- it is? i'm sorry who do you think it is then <laughs> well i know it's three i've narrowed it down to three it's three Ooh. I'm doing some good detective work from across the pond, as you can tell. Interesting. Um, yeah. I've com- I've semi-confirmed one, and just by the way you answer that question, you're not one of them. Yeah. 
No, exactly. I think that's the thing is that uh, occasionally people in bees or in Spartans will will joke about the fact that, oh, I've got to be bound dodge because I make so many memes and I post them in all these group chats. And the fact of the matter is you can look at one single meme of mine and immediately know I'm not part of Bant Dodge because it's not the same style. It's, it's not it's, the same style. When I looked at this picture, different. when I looked at this picture that you posted, that I can't believe I missed entirely. <laughs> I was like, this is totally original. This is not even what I consider Bant Dodgeball style, if, if we want yeah. to call it. They but I, I've, narrowed it down, I've narrowed it down to one person. I won't say who it is because... Uh, I want to I want to pin them all down, so to speak. <laughs> I'll tell you yeah. who that is off air. Um, I'm, I'm so curious to know. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Uh, so Tamara, as you can see, I came prepared for this. I replied <laughs> in the comment thread clearly. Um, <laughs> so Catherine Thomas, who spoiler alert, I'm going to interview next week. Um, oh, brilliant. Spartans. Yeah. She she just threw out a comment. Spartans <laughs> just copied the Warwick kit discuss yes yeah i actually saw the thread as well underneath um so lottie then goes on to like post i think they posted two photos of the kits i don't yeah. think that those are the kits that Kath's talking about because so those photos are of the current seasons spartans kit and warwick kit technically speaking i assume what Kath was actually talking about was that back in the old days spartans literally stole warwick's kit when Spartans started up, they started playing with uh, this sort of red shirt with a white sleeve on, I think, the left side. I don't know. One one side is a sleeve, and it's kind of a white sleeve, and it kind of has this line going up um, across the chest. Um, and that specific kit was Warwick's kit back in about 2015, 2014 or so. If you look at old photos of Warwick University's team, that's what they were wearing, because Spartans hmm. started off as this grad team. So they all yeah, wore their, exactly. So they, they all wore their old Warwick kits. Um, and so initially they had the same kits. Then Warwick changed their kit to being this kind of white stripe on a red shirt. And then they changed it to what they've currently got, which is a really good kit, which is just black with, sorry, not black, red with black highlights on a couple bits. Um, and then what's now happened is Spartans have updated their kit to be minimalist as well. So it does kind of feel a little bit as though oh, Warwick's going minimalist, now Spartans has to go minimalist as well. But I <laughs> I don't think the kits are as similar anymore um, as they used to be. The old Spartans well, kit was everywhere, though. Like, <laughs> that that kit is, I think it's a basic design for Akuma or, or whoever it is, whoever the provider is, because Warwick used to have that kit. Uh, Leamington Spartans had that kit. Uh, Vienna State Spartans over in Austria had that kit have as that well. kit, yeah. Um, and... <laughs> Phoenix Brewery Dodgeball in Switzerland also had that kit. So there's at least four teams. So it's funny you mentioned her, Lottie, Lottie Millington, uh, who yeah. I have potentially um, interest in interviewing down the road. She went off in this comment thread. Uh, <laughs> Catherine Thomas, what if Warwick went back in time and copied the Spartans kit? I'm going to let you just digest on that. She posted Catherine Thomas re re replied with a funny gif. We're going to go with that. Lottie, always bringing the real story to light. I asked Lottie to send me a pic of the Warwick kit so I can judge for myself. She does. I can see some similarities, but I can also tell that the exhibit B in this thread, if you 
if you um, do some light contrasting, like through Photoshop, you can kind of tell there's like a holographic yeah. shield Im embedded, almost a hidden detail that you have to be close up to, which I'm yeah. really loving. I actually like that twist now. Yeah. Um, Lottie, we're basically the same club anyway. We just lean into it. <laughs> I said they were kind of the same. She said, no way. You have to look at a closer version of the shirt. And then I told her if you moved up, if I moved over to my laptop, I know just a distinct shield emblem. Nicely done. All right. So, yeah, that was a lot of <laughs> spice. A lot of back and, and forth. <laughs> yeah. A little fun back and forth. So, Emily Walker, who's your favorite team to play for and why is it the Bees? <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, Emily's asking that. She's she's the coach for Bees. Um, yeah, she's right, though. It is, it is Bees. Um, I'd say tied top teams for me would be uh warwick eliminated who they're warwick's unofficial grad team um that started up this year so it's basically just all of the guys who are playing for warwick in my year have kind of got together and we occasionally play together um so that's mm -hmm. warwick eliminated we've got an instagram page as well that's uh very stupid and i post a lot of very stupid things on um but that's that's probably them and bees combined i'd say uh, are my top favorite teams to play for um just brilliant brilliant teams uh i don't i don't know if i necessarily want to go into the specifics of why i'd rank certain teams against each other but uh no they're just bees have been really welcoming and, and really wonderful and it's not been an easy year to join a new club this year so that just makes it even even better that they've been as wonderful as they've been well i mean they always come off as a welcoming club that always perform yeah. well so there's something to that I can only imagine how the team is united as far as uh, Derby Day between City and United goes, but that's a different story for another time. <laughs> um, I would love to see the division in the chat between that between that day. That would be one <laughs> one hell of a read. Um, yeah, Catherine yeah. Thomas, you're gonna have to explain this one. <laughs> if you could put together a dream team of women, uh, I'm sorry. If you could put together a dream team women's a dream women's team based purely on sense of humor, who would be on it? So I'm guessing she's asking pick the pick a team of women who are the funniest? Yeah, I think that's what she's getting at. Okay. Um, so pick the most sarcastic starting yeah. six. <laughs> Go for it. I need to hear this. Because yeah. I, I have some input. I, I think I know who can make this one. I'm I'm curious to know actually if you if you agree with any of these or if you recognize most of the names. Go for it. But, um I was thinking a lot about this at League because I initially drew up a list on my phone and then realized that everyone was either from Bees or Spartans and I was clearly like just going with people who are my mates instead of being like fair and actually thinking about who the funniest people in League are. So I've mm. tried to go with people from different teams um, as much as possible. I've got it written on my phone. I'm just going to read it. Um, go for it. But yeah, from from buttons then i'd pick uh lucy barrington mentioned her a billion times obviously really love her as a friend um and then lottie is uh really stupid and bullies me all the time so of course she'd make it uh that's the only that, <laughs> that's the only team where i picked two uh so that's that's just because lottie uh i really couldn't not put lottie or lucy both in there so um and then from bedford rangers i put uh leah crede who i know from from back at warwick she was my vice captain and she's just the funniest person in the world um from wessex vicky barkley who thank you i really hope yep thank you god she's funny i've never <laughs> played in a team with vicky and yet you just have to stand on a court with her to know that she's funny she's so oh so much personality on that girl 
in such a small space as well. <laughs> She's so tiny and yet so much energy in that. Yeah. Um, this one's a bit of a cheat because she does also play for Spartans, but I'm counting her as a Carmarthen wizard because that's who she plays for on the men's side. Um, but Elisa Storch is there really we go. funny. I've, I've only played with her once uh, for Spartans and I so wish that I'd got to play with her more. Uh, she's so funny. Um, <laughs> from London Storm, I've got Alice Bonsignori down, who I don't know if you saw the, the Storm post right before Christmas. of um, they, they pulled out of a, a meet and, and they normally do these beautiful, beautiful graphics of the yeah. teams. Um, and they did and one. It was just Steve and Doombe the entire time, right? It was right? Steve. It was just Steve. <laughs> And all these different like anagrams of Steve's name. <laughs> oh man, I I didn't know that they had pulled out. So when I looked at that post, I and mean, I want to say it was before Christmas, you, you might be right about that. Yeah. I don't know if did you watch um the Loki series on Disney Plus? No, I didn't. Okay, but so I, I, I see what you're getting at. I, I get what you're getting at. So I'm thinking like they were probably doing like a pun on Steve where it's yeah, it's a Steve we know, but it's a variance of Steve from multiple universes. I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm having a tough time dealing with one. What makes you think <laughs> I'm going to deal with six, seven, eight of these guys? I know. Just the concept uh, of a, a team of six Steves is terrifying. Um, I mean, he is a solid gent, I will say that. So that wouldn't be a bad idea. But, is, you know, yeah, if, if, like I, if I do play against six of them, let alone one of them, I'm going to need one of y'all to read my last rights. Um <laughs> Oh, and just Alice. find a way to huh? so, sorry i just remembered something um with alice i keep going with your thing i'll tell afterwards okay so i was just like just you know read me my last rites you know <laughs> bury me in a casket with an american flag send me back all right <laughs> what's next what, what were you gonna say I was just I was just remembering this has nothing to do with the comedy team it's just to do with alice and she'll hate you if you leave this in um but I, I don't know if you've seen you've seen I don't know if you've seen Matt Wheel has started doing these commentaries where he takes Yeah, he does uh, commentary uh, matches over YouTube, right? Yeah. yeah. Really, really good. And he did one recently on Storm versus Phantoms and Alice plays for Storm. Um and I, I watch videos with closed captions on just because I have trouble with people's accents. I know that that's ironic to you, Yanks, because I sound very British, but I honestly can't understand a lot of English accents. I find it very <laughs> hard. Um captions on uh, but watching these all the captions because he obviously doesn't actually put the subtitles on himself and there's a bit where he's talking about Alice Bonsignori but with a name like Alice Bonsignori of course it's not going to pick it up correctly so what it's picked it up as whoop, it's gone unstable hasn't it whoop, is it back My we're back we're back, back. Cool. yeah what it what it picked it up as instead of Alice Bonsignori was Monster Yuri <laughs> And it just says in this caption that Monster Yuri has made a really good catch. And it's just like, you can't, you can't say that. You can't say Monster Yuri has made a good catch. Uh. <laughs> All right. So what's her real name? So I get this for the record. You said Bonsignori. Alice? Alice Bonsignori. Like, okay. it's like an Italian last name, I think. Yeah, no, I'm familiar. That sounds very Northern. Um, yeah. I mean, Italian Northern, not proper Northern. Get it straight, yeah. people. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I know my, I know my stuff. Don't get it twisted. If <laughs> I think I had her on my list of interviews down the road, yeah, if not this yeah. season for next season, and she, par with the theme of this episode, if she says no, <laughs> I'm blaming it's you. My fault. Yeah, okay, it's your okay, fault. Okay. You put that in your newsletter. 
Um, yeah. Okay. She she plays for France as well. She's a very good player. Um, I've got two more people on my list. I've got yeah, Kath Thomas not- obviously from from Sheriffs. Of course, I'm going to put Kath down because she asked the question. But she is also really funny. Um, and then from Bees, I've got Vic Hind down, who is the the girl who played goddamn Venga Bus at seven a.m. But she's she's really funny and she always cracks me up in training. So really, really. And good She player also tortures as well. you on the way there. Yeah, exactly. And and in case you haven't gathered so far, that's apparently how I like to make friends is by being tortured and bullied by people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. OK. Um, for one, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Vicky and Elisa, because those are going to be my <laughs> my hard shoe ins right there. Yeah. Uh, I would have definitely questioned you if you didn't. <laughs> um, this would have definitely been a different conversation. Um, all right. So Katie Howard. Yeah. If you had to write an ad for dodgeball, <laughs> oh wait, hold on, hold on. I think there's some grammatic error here. If you had to copy write an ad for dodgeball, how would it go? First off, does that make sense? If that you had to copy write, that does make sense, but it only makes sense in the context of me and Katie. So uh, it's would be weird if you had got that. Um, technically, what my old job as a freelancer was was I was a copywriter, which is copywriting written like w-r-i-t-e rights not copyright r-i-g-h-t so i didn't work okay. in copyrights you don't I word it like trademarking or anything no no i, oh, I okay. wrote i wrote what is referred to as copy so just bits of text that you see in places it's really hard to describe what copy is because it's basically just any text that isn't creative text isn't labeled under something else is mm. copy so anytime you're looking at a website you know, just sort of the free flowing text on there uh, will be copy. Uh, a lot of it's website stuff. Um, you know, that kind of thing is is all copy. Just, I don't know, it's really hard to describe. If you look around on, on I imagine you're at a table and, and you find the nearest thing to you that's got text on it that isn't just a book, um, then that's that's technically copy, whatever you're looking at. So okay. that's what that's what I worked uh, in as a freelancer was, was writing copy. Um, but I was trying to explain that to her in a drive to a league meet. And I was just like, I don't know how to explain this to you. And I was doing a really bad job of explaining it. So that's why, <laughs> that's why she's mocking me by asking me to copyright an ad for British dodgeball, which is technically correct, but um, weird, way of, okay, weird, cool. weird way of phrasing it. Weird way. Cause I'm thinking like, <laughs> am I being trolled by answer, asking this question? Is this like no. a British grammar thing that, isn't yeah. prevalent on my side of the pond or I was gonna say it's All a right. British thing where it secretly means something really filthy and we're just tricking you into it yeah I mean yeah. I, I'll put it to you this way if I get fired for season six I know who to blame <laughs> and this is gonna be the theme of this episode <laughs> all right so Catherine Thomas geez this I don't even know how to go with this one um last one yeah. how emotionally scarring was the final <laughs> season of the WDPL Yep. And the epic battle between Warwick and BOS yep. to at least win one match. Okay, one. <laughs> I, will exp- I will explain all of that. Don't worry. Thank you. Because <laughs> that, is, that is the fringest of fringy like, questions that you could ask. Um, WDPL, first of all, was uh, Women's Dodgeball Premier League. So it's, it's what <laughs> used to be Super League back in, back in the old days. Um, okay. And it's... It was renamed to Super League in 2017 um, when British Dodgeball started. So before British Dodgeball, we had UKDBA, um, and that was UKDBA was the one that ran WDPL, 
the weird thing with WDPL, and it's really hard to explain this to, to new players on the women's side because the, the women's game looks so drastically different now uh, in the UK to how it used to look when I started. Um, WDPL, which was what I started in, was one of two leagues in the entire of the UK that women could play in. Um, mm. So there were, I think, probably about 16 teams across the UK that played. That's teams, not clubs. So there were clubs that had first and second teams within that. So there were probably only about 10 clubs that fielded women's sides. Um, and because of that, we couldn't have separate university teams and community teams. So everyone was kind of lumped in together. And this led to a very bizarre thing, which was in my first year of dodgeball, which was the last year of WDPL, and I believe Cass last year playing for uh, Nottingham, but it might have been her before last year. I might be making her older than she is. Um, but yeah, she she was playing the same season as, as I played in in my first year, and she was playing for Nottingham Balls of Steel, is what their their that's what their team's called. It's not a swear or anything. That's just what their yeah, team's called. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. That I can but, let go. So that's that's what BOS is 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 Balls of Steel, uh, which okay. is Nottingham Nottingham University side. So in WTPL in 2016 to 2017, there were 10 teams of which three were university teams. Uh, there was Birmingham, there was Nottingham, and there was Warwick. I don't know what Nottingham's excuse was. Warwick was meant to have been relegated at least two seasons in a row by that point. The team that had won its spot in WTPL no longer existed. No one on the <laughs> team had earned that spot. We had come dead last in WDPL for several years. So by some weird, you know, people dropping out, things having to be shuffled around, for some weird reason, Warwick had not been relegated, despite the fact we were meant to be. I imagine it was a similar story at Nottingham. Um, and so the entire season, we were kind of dead last. Uh, it was Nottingham and Warwick right at the bottom of the table, just getting absolutely destroyed by every other team. I didn't win a set within a game for the first five months that I played in a league. Oof. Never mind an actual game. Like I, <laughs> I just didn't know what it felt like to win a set. Um, so, honestly, honestly, amazing that we kept playing. Um, but yeah, so we were waiting the entire season for the matchup between Nottingham and Warwick because it was potentially the only match. It, it was the only match that one of us had to win, right? Like, mm -hmm. at least I, one of our teams would get one win that season. Um, and we were just holding out desperately while we were racking up these insane scores against teams like Meteors. Like, these are high-level teams that we were competing against with teams like Warwick's team that year had not even enough players to field a six-person team at most of those meets. We were five girls at most of them, of which three or four had started that year. <laughs> So you're, you know, you're putting those people up against England internationals. It was absolute yeah, whitewash. Um, but yeah, we played against we played against Nottingham, and it was just it was so much fun. We actually managed to take sets for once, and and it felt like an actual dodgeball game. And I think Warwick lost. Uh, I asked Kath about it on the, the weekend, and actually neither of us remember who won that one. So, which is interesting because you'd think that if it was the only win that either of our teams could have had, we we should be able to remember that, but. I think we were just so happy to have played a, a match that was even that that it yeah that's how it's been remembered in my mind is it was just a really fun match but I think probably Nottingham won um, at that because I probably would remember it otherwise um, yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's insane I I was thinking about that when she sent through that question I just kept looking at it going God it's it's mad to think how far women's dodgeball has come in the UK in the last five years like that we've gone from sixteen sides or eighteen sides to to however many different leagues and 
regional leagues and we've got so many women playing in mix as well and it's just it's really grown in the uk it's really good so i i'm thinking you're saying she doesn't remember yeah she doesn't remember and i don't remember but i'm pretty sure nottingham must have won because i'm thinking i'm thinking that's probably why um i think this is like her last dig at you (laughs) this episode yeah no it feels apt (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of falls in line, it, it, you know, the British way, the American way, whatever. If you if exactly. you really care about someone, <laughs> you bully them. Yeah, make them admit she- on a podcast that they lost every single match of the season. <laughs> hey, well, how about this? Once I post the announcement for her, you, you can <laughs> throw some shade her way. How about that, huh? Yeah, I'll have to think of something. Oh, you, you're going to have time. Trust me. Once, <laughs> once I hit stop, I'm going to announce that she's next. Um, Leah Creed, uh, what's the best way to heal? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I got caught up in the thread. <laughs> what's the best way to heal a broken finger? Yeah, that's Le Credit. It's a, a French spelling of the name, but I'm just oh. correcting that because otherwise, otherwise, she'll get angry at me for not having corrected you on the podcast. And I'll um, get a message getting cussed out. <laughs> yeah, uh, Leah Credit. Yeah, uh, that's just her being mean. She's my best friend. <laughs> Um, yeah, we we met literally the first like few weeks of, of freshers at university through dodgeball we both joined dodgeball at the same time and uh, we were both the two really keen players who stuck around for everything and who who tried out for everything and and you know she became vice president of warwick and then president uh, the year after that uh and i i was captain so it was very much while we were there then it was kind of us two that were uh, co-leading so much for the club um, so I love her to bits but she is a, a bastard for asking that because <laughs> the backstory to it is that I've uh, I've broken my left index two or three times and my left thumb twice um, and both all of that has been through dodgeball but it's also mm. all been really stupid because the initial injury is perfectly fine the multiple breaks thing is because I would be like, one of them literally happened because I was coaching in the outbox um, at a Warwick match and someone blocked the ball into my hand and it just rebroke the finger because it wasn't fully healed. Mm. So when she's asking about tips for, you know, not breaking things, clearly I'm not the right person to ask because I, <laughs> I break everything. Um, and I'm really bad at, at remembering to stop playing dodgeball. That's the other thing she, she would point out actually that it's not just that I'm coaching from the outbox. It's also that I refused to wait the 10 weeks of rest and kept coming back after six and then trying to make a catch and breaking it again. So mm. yeah, it's entirely my fault. Entirely. I've, I've got a very, I've got a very janky thumb as a result, a, a sort of a thumb that kind of points the wrong direction because it, it's never healed correctly. So mm. that's, I feel like a lot of dodgeballers have those. I think that uh, you sort of see mm. dodgeballers with all their misplaced fingers and, bones sticking out in the wrong places it's it's very for me not so much but i know plenty who are in that position yeah um i mean i did a i i did a a survey last year that i'm still sort of sorting through the the results from uh that got passed around in a bunch of groups i don't know if you did it but it was on injuries specifically dodgeball injuries and trying to like collate as much information about injury types that people have had through dodgeball um, and the big questions were all to do with fingers. Um, I, I still haven't like sorted through all the data because there's so much data, but I can tell you off the top of my head that two thirds of people who play dodgeball have broken a finger at some point. Um, it's I that feel hard. like I've done that. 
Yeah. I feel like that that was released around September, right? Yeah, I think maybe October, November-ish, a bit later than that, but yeah. Okay. Um, I might be remembering it wrong. I think I did something like that. Might have. Yeah. Definitely was a couple thumbs. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're you're not which, alone in that. I think the, yeah. the most common the most common ones are your left pinky and then your right pinky and then left thumb, left index and middle, I guess, and then the same on the, the right hand after that. Mm. And you on brand with these memes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm not gonna well I'm just gonna say it. she flipped him off. Um <laughs> Zoe just was like, you know what? You're, is this is not is this an actual meme or did you actually get an X-ray and flip someone off? No, I no, I googled that. <laughs> oh, a... Okay, I was about to say you got bonus points for doing. It. <laughs> oh wow! And clearly, uh, Leah responded. You can tell that's not your X-ray because your fingers are not broken in three places. <laughs> wow! Yeah, you have some. Bullies. That's my best friend. <laughs> Jeez. What is the saying with friends like that? Who needs enemies? Exactly. Jeez, yeah. man. You get no, there's no concept of friendly fire at all. At all. Just for the record. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so safe to say, safe to assume um, that we've definitely had a blast. Um, mm-hmm. But I got to ask you this hard hitting question, mm-hmm. um, which I call the legacy question. So Zoe. How would you like to be remembered once you step off the court for the final time? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to be remembered as someone who is friendly and and welcoming, uh, especially to new players. Um, obviously, someone who's funny. I think the amount of memes that I post, I it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to be remembered as as someone who is just joking around all the time. Um, I don't think I want to be remembered necessarily as you know a great dodgeball or anything as big as that. I just want to be remembered as a a good teammate and a, and a good coach and a good friend, hopefully. Well, I can, I can honestly say the amount of times I've laughed <laughs> throughout the many technical difficulties that we've had here. Oh, I'm so that sorry. Won't be aired, that won't be aired. Um, <laughs> I can say you're definitely on brand. Um, you're definitely funny, definitely welcoming. Uh, I think you're a lot better as, as a player based on your attitude than you probably give yourself credit for. Albeit very broken in three places. <laughs> very, very broken. Yeah. <laughs> um, dare I say, I'm almost in my mid 30s, and I'm probably not as half as broken as you are. Um, so I consider that a blessing. Thanks. But, that makes that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I say that. I mean, like you say, friends got to bully each other, right? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I say that to say this. Um, I appreciate hearing your story, the vibe you provided, and the vibe that I'm sure will permeate to every listener across the globe. Um, I also appreciate the, the shout out to not just, you know, Alex Nelson, but to the podcast as a whole. Um, no, I appreciate it. Uh, when you reached out to me out of nowhere, I, I was like, <laughs> I knew about you, but didn't know about you, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So when you asked me, you know, about putting the links up, I was like, did I make it? Is this, <laughs> is this, does this, is this what it feels like to, you know, finally make it? And, and, you know, needless to say during that time, and we can kind of go over it after um, kind of going through a bit of a rough patch. Mm-hmm. So just that, 
random acknowledgement and the subsequent overflow of support for the podcast and for Alex Nelson and for every other episode prior to it mm-hmm. means a lot to me. So that's it tells really, me that tells really me that your heart's in the your heart's in the right place and I know this uh, newsletter is going to be the start of something great, a reboot, but a start of something <laughs> great and I'll continuously ah, I'll continuously root for you on that end as well. Oh, so thank thanks. you. <laughs> I was really um, excited when you asked me to come on and that, that was my moment of oh my god, I've made it. <laughs> I'm being asked on the podcast. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you have, if you're writing something, might as well get your story out there as well. Um, so, I want to ask you before we wrap up um, whether you want to take a shot at Leah or Catherine or Lottie, anyone you want to shout out, anyone you want to throw one final dig at, or anything. <laughs> yeah, it's your I'm shot not, right here. <laughs> I'm not going to throw any any digs, but massive shout out to Leah, who's just been the best friend over the last. God, however many years it's been since 2016. It's been six years that we've known each other, five, six years, and just just the best friend on and off court. Um, I miss her so much. She she lives in in British terms, she lives really far away because she lives like you know two and a half hours away. But you know, in American terms, that's like a walk. So um, that's not I, true. I, <laughs> I feel I feel like your country is so big, but just people seem to. When you talk about road trips in the US and people are doing those like 10 hour road trips across states and I'm just sat there as a little European thinking like, I grew up in Geneva. I could walk 20 minutes west and be in a different country. Like that's that's the scale that I'm working with here. So the idea, that my, yeah, the idea that my best friend now lives two hours away, it's probably not even two hours away but by car, but um, you know, two hours away or so. Uh, so I don't get to see her as much. It's just really... Yeah, it's been really tough, but it's been really good to get to see her through dodgeball. And, and yeah, she's she's the reason that I still play as much dodgeball as I do. So she's she's very much the, uh, you know, how Kath and Alex Nelson have this really nice friendship. And you can really, you can feel that in everything they yeah, say. Yeah, I felt that yeah. in the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I sort of look at them and then look at me and Leah and I'm like, yeah, we're, we're, we're basically the same thing, right? We're totally emulating them. So let me ask you this before we go. Who bullies who? more um oh i don't know i think bullies me. Catherine bullied alex into roughing <laughs> who bullied who more between you and leah um i think we both bully each other a fair amount but no 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 we're not we're not copping <laughs> out we're not copping out this is your chance you either could say she does or you can no, admit no. that you do no none of this it, cop out diplomatic stuff we don't do diplomacy here uh, Leah, Leah wears pants in the relationship. Leah's definitely the, uh, <laughs> the head honcho. <laughs> okay, and on that note... All right, and that was my interview with Zoe Wells. Uh, Zoe, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story, as well as sharing plenty, plenty of laughs and some, dare I say, genius memes in the comments, and I'm sure I'm going to get some more in a minute. Um, depending on when I release this, because I kind of got backed up, this may be, this will definitely be out uh, next week. So this will be recorded. Well, this was already recorded before Catherine. So I'm going to probably keep it between Catherine or um, by the time this releases, Catherine will be the next guest. So um, I'll catch up on that as I get back in the groove of things. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a fun interview. Hope you enjoy that. And 
if you've been listening to me up until this point, thank you so much and have, have a wonderful day.